You are listening to Wait a Minute with Beth and Jessica, episode 45. I'm Jessica Pearson, certified life coach. And I'm Beth Barnett Babel, integrative nutrition therapist. So this episode is airing on Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Yes. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Are you doing anything? Do you know? No. No. <laughs> I hate to be like negative Nancy on Valentine's Day, but no. it uh, it doesn't do anything for me. I agree. I just happen to be lucky because my husband is a musician and he's playing a show on Valentine's mm-hmm. Day. So I've got the sitter locked down and I'm going to go dance my booty off tonight. That sounds fun. Yeah. But yeah, no, like started in college, like I always worked in the service world. And so I always had to work on Valentine's day. So then like we would do something like on another day, which I wasn't sad about because you see like, you know, all the stuff. So anyways, it just kind of became a thing. And so now we just like, don't do. Yeah. Well, if anything, it's like, I just like to have this as a reminder of like, this is a love yourself holiday. <laughs> right? True, 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 true. I don't know. It's like when you're yeah. little, it's innocent. You're like, oh, we're just having the little like candy party. But even then emotions ran high if you didn't get it from the right person or whatever. Yeah, so I know. Yeah. We did balloons at my elementary oh. school. Oh yeah. I have this photo of me in quite possibly the most embarrassing sweatshirt, but you know, we used to go to like a craft fair and I got like this white sweatshirt with these like hearts on it. I think they were like fabric-y hearts on the sweatshirt. And I got like so many balloons and I was so excited. I felt amazing. And then, you know, like the next year I never, I didn't get as many balloons or flowers whatever they had switched to and you're just like it's kind it's almost like just so funny preparing you for external validation at an early age it was and i was like oh maybe that wasn't the best (laughs) the best thing to have in elementary school but anyways that's what i remember the most about valentine's day was how fun it was in school yeah it was a break from the norm yeah anything to have a party Mm mm-hmm We keep our eyes peeled for things in the media or in real life that come from diet culture or that perpetuate diet culture in some way. These are often the subtle ways it creeps in, which is why we are shining a big old light on it and sharing it with you. Jessica? Yeah. So my rant happens to be from something I saw in real life and I texted you in real time as I saw it. Because I was like, oh, my God, this is why people are like confused and frustrated is because this is on the news. Mm -hmm. And I don't typically watch the news, but I was trying to check the weather because we had the incoming ice apocalypse. (laughs) And this is what happened to be on. So I just want to take this rant as an opportunity to clear some things up for everyone. So we'll rant and then we'll kind of use our after section to clear up some facts about calories. How's that sound? Okay. Okay, Great. so I'm watching the news, and this is the local news, and the local reporter is interviewing someone who is reporting on a recent article from Time. And this is an article that just came out recently. It was January 20th this year. And it said mm-hmm. basically, like, what time you eat doesn't matter. Study finds. 
Yeah. And it was kind of presented as we're trying to debunk the benefits of intermittent fasting. They're like, intermittent fasting is out and calories are in. (laughs) And so it it said, if your calories are the same, regardless of when you eat them, there's not an impact on weight. And so I was like, hmm, you know, and the reporters, they're like, okay, so basically, you know, calories are the bottom line, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, God. Because it probably was like a two-minute Yeah, it was super quick. Yeah, they're just kind of, you know, summing it up. And they didn't even tell much about the article. So what I read in the article was that the study was on less than 600 people. And here's where it gets Mm -hmm. really weird already is they tracked meals as small, medium, or large, which to me doesn't Mm -hmm. tell me much because, like, food quantity doesn't tell you a lot about amount of energy you're consuming. So they shared the size of the meal and the times of the meal. And so that was it which leaves a lot to be desired. And of course, they're like, well, people who were eating medium or large meals gained more weight. Like, okay. (laughs) So, Right, because there's more calories. Yeah, so they're like, this was, you know, we're calling this an observational study because calories were not controlled and the size of the meal doesn't really count for much. So anyway, this local reporter was just kind of passing on all this, you know, information. And the local reporter and the person talking about the article just ended up was like, yep, calories in, calories out, bottom line, everybody. And that was just kind of like, that's it. (laughs) Right. And I don't know. So I just was kind of like, what is happening? Because as I was looking up this article, I found this other article that also was reported by time. And this was from just September of last year. And it said counting calories was not an effective strategy for weight loss. So I was like, this is why people are so frustrated is because they're looking to quote unquote, these like reputable sources of information. They're like, these are reports done by scientists. And it's just always conflicting. I'm looking at the methods of this article, Mm -hmm. like the original study. And it's like, so over six month study period, the 547 participants downloaded and used a mobile application to record the timing of meals and sleep for at least one day. Wait, what? So some of these people would have only tracked it for a single day. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. The number of meals per day was positively associated with weight change. The average difference in weight, annual weight change associated with an increase in one daily meal was 0.28. This is bonkers. So really the summary in the time article doesn't match what the actual conclusion right. was because the conclusion is saying something different. I mean, they are saying that they did not support the use of time restricted eating as a strategy for long-term weight loss. It was just by the number of daily meals was positively associated with weight change. So that's also sort of misleading as well. And then how can you say that if you included people that only logged for one day? Again, this is probably why they called it an observational study because it's not really a study at all. 
But this is also, it's kind of like telephone with information, right? So there's like the, there's the original study and then there's what some reporter like pulled from the study to report on in time. And then there was what the local news people pulled from that report. And so it's like distilled down to something, which is like, that's classic news, right? It's like, we're just reading headlines. We're not digging into like what the actual facts are. And it's so frustrating. I think it's possible that most people didn't like even really use the app for more than five days. Right. So a five day data poll. Anyway. Yeah. So before discovering that, what I'll say is that it is confusing when people just state these things. And I think that intermittent fasting can work for people. And the reason is, is because the greater amount of time that is spent away from one eating event to the next eating event, like, so having greater than 10 hours of fasting does show to be beneficial for the average person, assuming they don't have type two diabetes or hypoglycemic events from dysregulated blood sugar, but it is helpful because it allows the body to use up the constant circulation of the carbohydrates and, you know, some of those carbohydrate stores and finally allow for our body to tap into those fat stores. Because when we're constantly giving our body glucose on a regular basis, we don't ever get to switch between these fuel sources, which is an important aspect of, you know, of metabolic health. Like we need to be able to switch. And then depending on how far you go, fasting also allows for that normal cellular cleanup that needs to happen. And so when we can go into a slight fasting-like state, we get to have that cellular cleanup that needs to happen, but doesn't happen if somebody is eating very frequently. And so that's one thing to consider is, is that one, we all have different you know, metabolics or different genetic factors of why we may need to eat more frequently or not. There's also different eating patterns that for people that are heavily trained versus the average person, like everybody's eating needs are different, but like this article does not help the situation at all. Yeah. So I was just texting Beth that was like, Oh, this is just so frustrating because I know that there's probably hundreds of people that saw that. And, you know, they're just walking around thinking like, Oh yeah, this is the bottom line. So I wanted to take today just to kind of clear some things up in case anybody is curious about calories. Okay. Okay. Beth, do you want to tell us like, what are calories? You'd be surprised how many people don't really know. Well, it's because it's super scientific. (laughs) And when you, even when you read about it in school, you're like, what, really? That's how they extrapolated that out. So essentially a calorie is a unit of measurement that is related to how much energy is created when you burn something up such as a carbohydrate, a protein, or a fat to raise water temperature by one degree Celsius. So then we translate the kilocalorie to an energy. So it is, it's really, it's like a kilocalorie. I remember that from nutrition 101 and trying to do the math on that. And I was like, why? (laughs) 
Why? Right. So anyways, so then we are then able to translate roughly that energy burned from the carbohydrate protein fat as what we use to create energy in our body that we need in order to live. So like all of our little trillions of cells that are going around doing their job to help us breathe and pump our heart and move and just keep life rolling. Yeah. So I just want to add here, this is why you know, the 90s were kind of detrimental because it was just like the lower the calories, the better. And we were all doing really weird things with healthy choice, low fat, low calorie foods. And, you know, we actually do need calories. They're not a bad thing. I feel like when I first learned about calories, I was like 13, which I feel like is kind of late compared to maybe by today's standards. But I remember I never, I never looked at a nutrition, you know, facts before then. And I remember just thinking like, oh yeah, the lower, the better, but that's not necessarily true. Yeah. What was my daughter showing me the other day? She wanted to buy some packaged crap and she was like, it's only blah, blah, blah calories. And I was like, I don't care about the calories. I was like, read me the ingredients. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where she got the information from. I'm assuming from, you know, no, it's like PE slash oh. health. Like they have information in there and she'll come home with some stuff. And I'm like, okay. so yeah. So anyways, I just like, I'm like, well, tell me about the ingredients. Like what's in it, you know? And so, you know, I let her buy junk, but I make her be aware of why I don't like yeah. it. And it has nothing to do with calories, but that's a different Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. So tell the people, how do we know how many calories are in something that we consume? So essentially how you find out calorie in food is that, you know, they put it in this like little container and they basically catch it on fire and then they measure the energy of that food. And then it's in this huge database, the USDA, FDA database on nutrition information. And so then they were back in the day able to extrapolate when we take in these calories, like how much do we use up and then how much is excreted out? So there are these research labs. The biggest one that I know of is is at LSU. There's probably others, but that's the one I'm most familiar with. And so you go into this chamber to measure your carbon dioxide output for number of hours or days, even for some people. And that's how they kind of figured out a lot of these things. And you can see some of this is confusing because one, it's very expensive. And how many people are you going to find that are willing to go into this chamber with this very prescribed calorie in, calorie out situation? So I think it is really challenging. So anyways, then where the calories on our labels come from is you just plug in. You don't have to get your own food analyzed. That's not required. So you just use your ingredients that you use in your product and you pull it off from the database and it creates like, you know, what is the total calories for the recipe and per serving and you decide what the serving size is, and then you get to create a label on that. But there's some error in that. It's not perfect. I think there's like a 15 maybe percent error rate that is allowed. Mm. I watched this one news, was it a documentary? 
several years ago where they went to like a bodega in New York and just like picked up like, you know, like a muffin and some, and a sandwich and it had calorie counts on it, it had a calorie label. And then they took it to the lab and actually measured it. And it was off. Like it was way more calories in the products by, I want to say by at least like, I don't know, a few hundred calories. It was like, it was all very different. So if somebody's basing their calories, they're, you know, what they're intaking off of labels, it's challenging. Yeah. So, because it's not right because some of it is like how processed the food is. We may actually be able to get all of the calories out of something versus like if it's a less processed or less cooked, like, so like raw vegetables versus cooked vegetables, like we will digest them differently or like, you know, something that is more refined versus not like it, you know, you don't, the calories that we get are different. Which, do you remember, like, I mean, I guess it's not a rumor, it might be technically true, but you remember in diet world where it'd be like, oh, celery is the food that if you eat it raw, you're actually burning calories <laughs> instead of intake. Oh, because of like how, yeah, because of how much work it takes yeah, to You have to like chew it and it's so full of fiber and water that people, you know, this is like terrible diet advice that you got as like a teenager would just be like, if you just eat celery, then you're actually burning calories. You're not intaking calories. And so you'd see like girls eating celery at lunch and <laughs> just, oh my God. Mm, I only like celery with peanut butter on it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so. I don't actually remember doing that, but I just kind of been like, yeah, I guess I'm, I remember saying it while eating a celery at some point, but that's not why I was eating it. Right, 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 right. So that was fun times. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So food labels are challenging because they may or may not be correct, even when you buy them from a huge company because there is some differences and not everybody goes and sends out. Cause I sent out something to get analyzed. I was making a drink a few years ago and I went and had it analyzed. Cause I was like, do I really know what's in that? And I want to say it was like six or $700 hmm. to get this one little tiny pouch of powder analyzed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was just trying to imagine every food product person waiting in line at the lab <laughs> to get their food measured. Like, it's just not possible. Um, yeah. I mean, it needs to be done. If I'm being honest, in my opinion, I think that we need to, you know, start a cycle of just like foods need to be reanalyzed yeah. and see what's there. I'm like, are we reporting the right information here? If you want everybody to be, like it's their personal responsibility. We're going to give you the calorie information and it's up for you to decide based on that information if you want to eat it or not. Well, let's have new, good, updated information about what's in the food then. Yeah. We're going to move on to the next question because we're more okay. to unravel with this. So let's talk again more about the calories. Are are they really the bottom line? I know the answer to this, but how do we... How do we explain this? Because it's like, yeah, they do matter, but they're what else? Tell us about the other things. Well, so they do matter, but they aren't everything. It's, you know, with in, in context. So in the long game, it's not just about calories. So in the short term, you could absolutely lose weight on a heavily processed 
junk food diet as has been demonstrated by a researcher where I think he ate, what was it, Twinkies and Doritos and Mm -hmm. he lost a bunch of weight because his calories did go down significantly. However, that's just like a short term. So in the long term, what we actually need is the quality of the calories. So like, what are those nutrients like vitamins and minerals and fibers? Those all really do matter because you, yes, you might eventually become smaller, but your body is not actually functioning optimally. No. Can you imagine Um, how you you would feel just living off Doritos and candy for five years? You'd be so sick. Yeah, I, I I don't even know, right? So you're like you're putting yourself at massive risk for osteoporosis and you know some other things. And so it's just like, well, what does my body really need to function optimally? And so I like to think of it as the long game. And calories over time also matter because really leptin is more of like a long term. It does act short term, right? So it works with ghrelin and it acts in a short term, but it's also very much like a long term regulator. So like our calories that, you know, somebody might track their calories Monday through Friday and they're at like a, you know, a reasonable deficit for their, their goal. But then on the weekend, they just like decide to not do anything at all in response to it. And then they've gone, well, especially if you go out to eat, this is where, you know, really gets us is going out to eat and going all crazy on, you know, here it's like Tex-Mex margarita, mm-hmm. <laughs> Tex-Mex on, on the weekend. And that will totally blow out, you know, the deficit that you've had during the week. We actually have and a so whole other matter. podcast about weekend eating. So if you haven't listened to the podcast on weekend eating, go back because it is just kind of the idea of like everyone's holding on for dear life, counting and tracking. And then it's like, that's the willpower. That's the restriction. And then it leads to the letting go and then the overdoing on the weekend, which is also why we say we're like, if counting calories worked, we would all just do it and be where we think we're supposed to be. But like, we don't. Right. So, yeah. so it's like, how helpful is the action if we're not really doing it? which some people can do it really well and it doesn't like bring them any mind drama and it's just like very scientific and like for those people great but for a lot of people yeah. it just doesn't really work that way and it can't work if you are relying on eating out it just can't because eating out their job is to make that food taste delicious so they are using absolutely way more fat based sources to make it be delicious than you would ever use in your own home. Well, and lower quality fat-based sources. So you're getting the inflammatory properties of low quality oils, low quality salts. And so again, it's not just the calories, it's the, you know, quality of the calorie that is contributing to other factors like inflammation and blood sugar regulation and all that fun stuff. I think we've talked about this before, but I want to make sure that people understand this now is that what's important about like, you know, thinking about it's like, well, oh, then now I can't go out to eat. That's not at all what I want people to take away from that previous message. What I want people to realize is like, I'm absolutely going to go and have, you know, my favorite Tex-Mex place this weekend, but I'm also going to be and 
I'm going to put something in there that is going to be a little bit more filling, you know, like a side salad or something along those lines, or I might get like the veggie enchiladas or the veggie fajitas. So I'm going to, you know, kind of mix it up and create some, some balance in there while I'm also going beyond what I would eat at home. So I think there's an and, like you can do both. Mm-hmm. It's like a huge part of what we teach our clients is how to and, how to include more. We're not always taking things away. We're trying to add things in to add more nourishment, not be super restrictive. Okay, so what else is important besides calories? Again, I'll say that we absolutely need the vitamins and minerals. That's how all of our cells work. You know, our neurotransmitters that make us happy are very much vitamin and mineral dependent. So they need protein and then they need vitamins and minerals to take them. So if you're feeling kind of brain unhappy, it could be a loss of, you know, having adequate vitamins and minerals. So we need our calories to include vitamins, minerals, fiber for our gut health. We need, and for, you know, cholesterol management, we need colors because colors and food is information. So it's all necessary information for our body to function at its best in the long run. So other things that are important, I think is like, let's mix it up. Let's have some raw foods some cooked foods. You get different phytochemicals, you know, the, the things in the you know, the colors, what they do, how they function when they're raw versus when they're cooked. So, you know, raw tomatoes do some, do one thing and cooked tomatoes provide something different. So like change it up. Our fibers, when they're cooked versus they're raw will function differently in our digestive tract. And so like, you know, our gut can get some, some different things going on there with our bacteria. So having variety in general in our foods over time is a key thing to microbiome diversity. And it's something that we had prior to you know, becoming an agricultural based society. So when we were out there, you know, hunting and gathering, we ate all sorts of random stuff because it's whatever we could find. But there are other things that are not at all related to food that really matter in terms of, you know, health and, and weight is our sleep quality, our stress levels. Are we moving our body in some particular way that we find joy in? And some things that you know, it's kind of food related is how frequently is our blood sugar spiking and, you know, how often is that happening? So these are some you know, different ways that our hormones. Yeah. So. It's all connected. And I also just had this off tangent, but on topic thought mm-hmm. because, you know, when you're talking about microbiome diversity and I was thinking about like, it's interesting that we went to this place of injecting drugs like Ozempic into our body, but like what happened to the like stool transplants for weight loss? Oh, like, yeah, I still see that. You do? Yeah. Okay, because I was like, oh my yeah. gosh, I was like, is that not... I, I just saw a recent article about it. I'm like, oh man, we got Ozempic on this this article. <laughs> I got fecal transplant in this article. Oh, yeah, I was like, oh. I don't know why, but fecal transplant sounds, it actually sounds less crazy to me than Ozempic. <laughs> I mean, I know it sounds much more gross, but it's like, to me, it makes more sense because it's actually addressing the root issue for some people, which would be to like create more right. microbiome diversity, which means your body's changing its actual function and it could have permanent, long lasting function after yeah. the, you know, transplant versus like a drug that you have to take every day. So I'm like, yeah. I don't know, where, where, where have we gone wrong? 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, I for sure think a fecal transplant sounds fascinating, but I know that you and I are in the minority of this situation. I saw this post. It was in like a history pictures or whatever, and they were showing um, like the island of indigenous people that are still there and like no one can touch the island because everyone is just murdered on impact. And I was just thinking about how good their poop must be because they don't even do agriculture. They just hunt and gather still in 2023. And I was like, oh, my God, they're eating so much fiber. They're so healthy. Yeah. It's like good for them for keeping us out. Stay, stay yeah. on your island. Yeah, I agree. All right. So uh, before we go, I just want to say we do have our online interactive program coming up soon. If you are getting our newsletters now, then you're going to be in the know when it launches. But if you are not getting our weekly email, then please go to our website, pathnutrition.com. You can click foundations and sign up for the waitlist. We'll keep you posted. I promise you, you don't want to miss it. When we say interactive, it means like it's not just like a flat Thing where you're watching videos, we are actually coaching you throughout the program. So you get kind of that taste of what it feels like to work one-on-one with us. I mean, you have to reply. You have to like submit the answers and the questions yeah, yeah, yeah. for us to interact back with you. <laughs> but yes. Yes, it is a yes, two-way street. We, we prompt you all through it, through the whole thing. Exactly the questions yeah that we want want to know about you yeah so you don't want to miss out on that launch we would love to have you and i think that's all i got you want to take us out yes i sure hope we gave you something new to think about today and helped you take one more step on your path to freeing yourself from diet culture be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on instagram at path underscore nutrition If you're looking to change your relationship with food and your body from a whole health perspective, please visit our website at pathnutrition.com to get started. Bye.